2: I like how he doesn't take himself too serious. You're to already any
3: a man. Wiener guy. So it's just a little extra for you.
2: I'm on board with it, dude. He's a Midwest guy. He's a big dude. I'm a big dude. I'm a Midwest guy. He's a goofball. I like being a goofball. I like making people smile, making people laugh. Um, So I'm on board, dude. But I did not know. I do not want this on the show. I did not know that Look, Bryce Turner was a He's skinny shit.
3: He's so skinny. You didn't know Bryce Turner was skinny?
2: I didn't know he was that tiny. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, dude. He's a tiny little dude.
3: You guys, Colton Wong was tiny, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not but saying he's they're the like same that.
3: guy, but they play the same position. I mean, it's uh, not well, like Luis Urias like, is a super big guy either.
2: Oh, right, right. But he's just a – he seems like he's wiry strong. You know what I mean? That's
3: That's, how I that seems like. fair.
2: And uh, <laughs> every opportunity I get to use this emoji with South Relic, yeah, I'm doing it. I
3: can't wait. Yeah, but yeah, the South Relic.
2: What up, schmo? Yeah, we. are. Uh, right. so we're me back. And me and Wilkins it's made another our Wednesday.
3: Um. Oh, you're making a bet on that? All right, that'll be interesting. Another Wednesday, officially the end of Badger basketball season, for better or worse, we'll get into it. Um, we're going to start with the North Texas last night. Honestly, I don't have a ton to say about it. I want to draw a lot of parallels, not only from the game to the future, but also from the tournament to the future and decisions. Um, and then we just want to do a couple positive takeaways. And that's where we want to go. So, um Yeah. Jake, start off. Give me your thoughts from the North Texas game.
2: Ah, Well, painful. I'll say that. Um, Not a lot to say. The first half, very promising. uh, Looked like a completely different team. Ball was moving. Ball was hopping. We were making shots. Uh, Chucky, uh, especially, he was standing out. Uh, Just the possession uh, where he made the NBA three and then... He comes he comes around the in the left wing and makes another three pointer. We get six points in the possession. I was thinking, like, oh man, we're on fire. We're about to win this NIT going into the next year feeling pretty good, right? Um, and I texted you with you and Mikey this last night. I said, if you would have told me that the this Wisconsin Badgers team who plays defense and can grind no possessions, had 54 points and a 10 point lead with nine minutes and seven seconds remaining. We're in the championship 99 out of 100 times. And last night we saw yeah. the one out of 100, right? Um, just poor poor execution. We didn't respond well to them playing a little bit more physical, them getting up in our face. We turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, we got we got sloppy with our shot taking. We didn't take the best shots, decision making. We got rattled, I won't lie. Uh, North Texas is a very well-coached team. Um, you could t- You could tell that by the way that they played the entire second half. We didn't respond to Chucky getting shut out. Nobody responded um, After that, I don't know. Town the wall was where they
3: they like overbearing, or. Just, yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's. Like that's your mic, buddy. Um, so uh, like I was saying, Tyler Wall, he just wasn't responding to the the size that North Texas was was throwing at him. Um, and now we get to the end of the game situation. I know you're gonna touch on this as well, but you call the timeout, right? And people are like, Oh my god, why are they calling timeout? And I'm gonna let you make your point after this. The play call was not the problem, okay. Everybody was freaking out about the play call. Oh, we're bad out of timeouts, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that, right? And the thing that I'm looking at is you got a shot for Stephen Crowell in the middle of the paint. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a shot in the middle of the paint. So Crowell has to shoot that. You use that as a teaching moment, and you move on from that. So that's all I got to say about that until we get to some discussion after the game. But I'll let you cover your your. Your analysis.
3: So, this I mean, this really was a tale of two halves. And like Tyler said, 13 points in the second half is uncalled for. They have my hopes up after the first half. And I get that. Um, and it's tough. And it's tough. And I'll talk about some of the other stuff that I want to talk about after we finish discussing the game. But the main thing that I want to talk about is the timeout at the end of the second half. And 5.8 seconds, they're kind of in a scramble, and I get calling the timeout, just kind of want to reset everything, calm everything down, and make it feel like your players feel like they have a sense of control on the game to not make people panic, which I get. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing, and I'm going to make this parallel when it comes to discussing this tournament as a whole, is... We've had situations where guard has let the games play out, and then people are asking, you know, why isn't he taking a timeout to draw up a play? He's a terrible coach. Now we're in a situation where he calls timeout at the end of the game to draw up a play. Why isn't he letting them play out the game? He's a terrible coach. So this, this, and I've I've said this, and now we have perfect examples that show both sides of this coin, where if people want to find a problem they're going to find a
2: problem.
3: 100%. And it doesn't matter which side of the fence you come down on. If you are looking for a problem, you're going to find it. You will find you know, evidence to support your thought that there is a problem where you are looking for it. Your brain is going to try to prove you right when you are thinking about these things. So... <laughs> You can, you can have this question be rhetorical or you can answer
2: it. Have you ever worked with or met somebody that even when they're wrong, they're right? Sure. I've met a lot of those people. And to be honest with you, I don't really talk to them after I figure that out about them, right? Because yep. that's the people that you meet online. doesn't matter the platform, right? I'm getting into yep. it now. Now I'm going to start getting passion. I'm beating the hell out of my mic already. I do not understand the hate for Greg Gard. Do you know that in the first six seasons between with Bo Ryan and the first six seasons under Greg Gard, they both won the Big Ten twice? Both of them. They won the Big Ten twice, both of them. But to this day, people want to talk about how Greg Gard is nowhere near Bo Ryan. Dude, he hasn't coached as long. We don't know how right. he's going to finish his career. Right. We don't even know if he's gonna if he's gonna decide to, to stay with us. How do we not? How do we know that? Right? We can't predict the future.
3: That's what I, I actually said. This, um, I said. I took out his name and I just put his his record, his accomplishments. I'm like, if you take a guy who's like, I don't remember exactly what his record is. He's like, oh shit. It's like 120 and and 68 or something like that. Coaching, mm-hmm. has two Big Ten tournament titles and two coach of the year awards you think that guy's not going to be a leading candidate for every single job that opens up for real dude every single one that opens up is going to be like oh shit like that guy's resume we should get him every right. single one of them right uh, scott said the Wisconsin tempo makes everything close, and this is where I think we can kind of move into just discussing the season as a whole.
2: Yep, yep.
3: Um, the tempo is is a thing, and it's you know the play style is is different. It's not just run and gun type of play style. It's grind out, um, don't make mistakes, and you know rely on your fundamental ability. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not an NBA system. And I don't think they claim to be. And I don't think that they're saying, hey, come to Wisconsin. We can put you in the NBA. They're coming saying, come to Wisconsin. We play a specific brand of basketball. And sometimes it works. I mean, obviously, you want to be doing better than sometimes it works. But we've seen over the last few years that it works. And, you know, this is another situation where whatever you want to say, you will find reasons to justify it. Mm-hmm. and the NIT is where I'm going to start with that. And it it parallels to what I said about calling timeouts at the end of games and finding problems if you're looking for them. Yeah. And when you're talking about the NIT, the thing is, if they win, it's just the NIT. If they lose, they couldn't even win in the NIT. So this, this is the same parallel as it is with calling the timeouts at the end of the game. If you want to find the problem, you will find a way to twist it and, you know, justify your side of the argument. The way I've been trying to encourage people to look at the NIT is just to look at it as another tournament. It's just a tournament. Don't look at it as a postseason tournament or they miss the big dance. Just, Just look at it as any tournament, like the Maui Invitational or whatever you want to look at it as. It's just a tournament. That's what it is. If they advance and they move on, cool. If not, you know, shit happens. But for people to be, like, so radical to we need to fire somebody just for the sake of firing somebody. Because the football team and the hockey team have done it. We should fire the basketball coach, too. Like, it's not, it's not parallel across team sports. You have to look at each of them individually. You look at the hockey team. They've been struggling for four years. Mm-hmm. You look at Paul Crist. Last season was meh. Nah. This season they were off to a 2-3 and three start and just came off of a 30-point loss to Illinois. Badgers didn't have any of that. Badger basketball. They're they, still They Badgers. were in a
2: lot of close games, so I agree with you. The football team, you could tell that, you know, and this is not bashing Paul Crist, but you could tell that Paul Chris kind of lost the locker room a little bit, and he didn't have the fire, didn't have those guys, you know, excited to play football. And and, and again, right. I'm not going at him character-wise, because everything I've read and I've heard, he's a mm-hmm. tremendous human being, but yes. it just felt like a time to kind of, boom, we need, we need some electricity, we need some fire, you know, yeah. and I agree with you about the hockey team as well, man, so... Uh, you you continue your point, and I'll I'll go on in a, in a sec here.
3: So my thing is, and to your point about the locker room is is if you see you see the videos of Greg Gard talking to the locker room after games, like they all they all still seem that they are bought into Greg Gard. Mm-hmm. And just just to get this argument out of the way about that nobody's going to want to come to play here, or the Greg Gard is terrible at recruiting crowd. Yeah. two things. First of all, Connor Sejan was the only uh, sorry. Connor Siegeon only received a Big Ten offer from Wisconsin. Not a single other Big Ten team offered Connor Sejan. Yeah. And, you know, for those saying that they want to the guys are gonna want to transfer out, I'm sure some of the guys towards the end of the bench, but it's like you don't know that, first of all. Second of all, When it comes to recruiting, again, bring up Connor Asijan. And next year, I want to bring up Gus Yeldon and Noah Winter. Those two, oh my fucking God, I cannot wait to watch them play in Badgers uniforms. Gus Yeldon, his nickname is Baby Jokic. Noah Winter, just won Minnesota Gatorade Player of the Year. Yep. Greg Gard deserves a chance to coach those guys because he's the one that recruited them. Agreed. I want to see both of those guys in a Badger uniform. Greg Gard brought those guys in. So for all the, oh, he's just coaching with Bo Ryan's guys. To Jake's point, you can go back and say, look at Bo Ryan's first six years. He was coaching with some of Tony Bennett's guys, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott said Winter is from the same school as Wall. I did not know that. That is cool. (laughs) Maybe that that had something to do with it. So, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, I'm going to go through some comments because there was a bunch while I was doing a monologue here. <laughs> go ahead, <buddy>. go ahead. <laughs> um, Bill said, people are too quick to bash guard because they don't do any research. Unfortunately, it's easier to criticize immediately in the world of social media instead of looking at facts. That's a super true paragraph, Bill. And that's one of the things like around the time where the, the Will Smith Chris Rock memes were super popular, we, we posted one where Wisco Fanatics was Will Smith and on Chris Rock we put Small sample sizes, knee-jerk reactions, and what else was it? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was something about being like super emotional. But yeah. um, so that's that's totally part of it, and it's it's super easy to just throw out a quick knee-jerk reaction on social media, and it's super easy, and it's a little bit. And I'm not saying it's hard for us to do this or to make claims or anything, but it's super easy to comment on something about the Bradley game or the Minnesota game where the Badgers, you know, came down to the wire and have it disappear. Like nobody's going back to check a dude's receipts on Facebook. Not unless
2: unless you're in in beef with him.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, you can say something two weeks later, you can say something else and nobody's going to remember what you said two weeks ago because it's just random comments on Facebook. So people will say outlandish shit. And they'll never they'll never have to come back and answer for it. Nope. Um, Scott said their their play style works the majority of the time. It also works better when they don't when they have a go to player. And this year's team didn't, or they went cold as shooters. That's that's very fair as well. Um, not having a go to guy, a Johnny Davis, even a Brad Davison. Um, I think Max Klesman at times was on that level. But if you look at the North Texas game, Max Cousin, was one for six. So, yeah. you know, Chucky Hepburn he didn't score in the, in the second half. I mean, it's it's tough. Because, you know, it's not like you need to go, okay, now we need our third best player to be the guy. That's a tough situation to be in. And we've mm-hmm. seen each different player have times where it's like, that's the guy, like Stephen Kroll. We've seen him have times where it's like, shit, Stephen Kroll is the guy today. We've seen Chucky do it. We've seen Connor do it. We've seen Max do it. We've seen Tyler Wall do it. We've seen guys come in and be the guy. But the Badgers just didn't have one in the second half last night. And it's not a reason to, you know, basically want to just crumple up the basketball program and, and toss it in the trash. So Scott's next comment says, every team's go through streaks. We started hot, went through the downward streak late. Um, vice versa, like how they started. And, and I said, I I believed that it would happen. The Badgers would start hot. They'd get ranked. People's expectations would go up. Then the Badgers were going to have a rough couple months. It didn't help that Tyler Wall got injured. That made it obviously a lot harder. Um, and who knows how long that carried into it and how long it affected his play. But what it comes down to is. The expectations never readjusted after the hot start. And that's something that I've asked for from from fans of all of our teams, not just the Badger basketball team, but to normalize adjusting your expectations to new evidence, to new scenarios, to new situations. We're going to have this conversation probably 12 times before Packers season rolls around about adjusting expectations. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with it with adjusting your expectations based on where the team is at. But Mm -hmm. does not mean going from, oh, the Badgers program was ranked 14th back in November, today they lost in the Final Four of the NIT, oh, what a fall they've had. You realize that there's four months of context in there, right? Nope. (laughs) Nope, I had no idea. (laughs) Nope, no context. Um, Scott said the same, people said the same when – when the Bucks would lose a couple games, that's true. I mean, if there, I had a dollar for every time I saw people say "Fire Budenholzer,"
2: there's still people that don't respect Budenholzer. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. There's dude. people
3: that have their Twitter handle named "Fire Bud." I've seen that shit.
2: Oh, me too. It's stupid.
3: Um, Scott said we recruit well out of Illinois and Minnesota and Ohio. Definitely Minnesota because there's no they don't do out of state tuition between Minnesota and Wisconsin. So that definitely is true. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Scott said my wife and I are going to Brewer's opening day at Miller Park. He said, I know, but I'll always call it that. <laughs> um, Scott, it's funny that you say that we should have kept feeding the post with Wall and Crawl because I literally saw people say that it's Guard's fault the Badgers lost because they kept pounding the ball in the paint. So <laughs> here's the here's the thing. That's just another reason for people saying, you know, if if there's a problem, people are going to find it. Mm -hmm. So if there's something you think that is wrong, it's going to be, you know, whatever you think your brain is thinking, your brain wants to prove you right and find evidence to support your thoughts. So if you want Greg Gard gone, you will find reasons to want him out. If you want him to stay, you'll find reasons for him to stay. But we want to be able to see both sides and still move forward, you know, in the direction that we think is going to be the best. Um, Brad said the pace is way too slow for a D one school. Badgers aren't the only ones that run that kind of offense. North Texas had a slower pace. Yes,
2: and they were down uh-huh. by fourteen points at one point. They just yeah. stuck to their brand of
3: basketball. They have long I'm gonna,
2: athletes, man. So
3: yeah, I'm just gonna see if I can if I can pull it up because I know that there's a lot, and I just want to look and see where the Badgers rank specifically in pace. And I get that they're not going to be that fast break team. And here's something I want to say on, on the subject of pace. I think it bothers people, and I'm not saying this is you specifically, Brad, but I think it bothers people that the Bucks are, like, number one in the NBA in pace, at least since January 1st, that the Badgers are a slow pace team.
2: The Badgers were, like, 347th. And North Texas was like 361st. So, I mean, they were close, but they were both like extremely slow paced teams. Um, I'm going to respond to some real quick. So, Brad, you're, or Bill, um, to your earlier comment, um, what I would respond to that real quick is smartphone dumb people. Because people are just too lazy to look stuff up, even though they literally have a computer in their hands. It takes two seconds. Like, you don't even have to go on the internet anymore. You can just hold the side. Hold the side, you know. Hey, Siri, you know, you're listening to me right now. I can turn that off, you know. I mean, it's it's very simple to look stuff up now. You don't even have to go on the phone. Um, Bill said, my point is that guard is on the floor. All he can do is coach. He can't run plays for the team on the floor. See, and Bill, I was telling Tyler before the show, man, I'm just so sick and tired of, of defending – uh, having feel like I have to come to the to defense of of people at Madison, you know, and Tyler and I were people defending Mertz, saying that uh, we we don't want you to bash him. Yes, he let us down at certain points in time, but we don't need to kick a man when he's down. No. And I was doing that for Tyler Wall last night as well. Tyler Wall has given us some great games, some great memories, and on top of everything, he's given us given us all the hustle. All yep. the heart that he could. He left yep. it all out there. You you never had to question if Tyler Wall was engaged in the basketball game. Yeah. Absolutely. I will tell you that right now. And for people that wanted to go at guard, they wanted to go at guard to go at guard. Yep. You know? They, they just simply, for some reason, whatever their reason was, whether I think it's dumb or Tyler or Bill or Scott or whoever the hell is commenting, whether, if they think that Greg Gard is a horrible coach, that's just what they think, man. And it's, it's ridiculous to me. But I was just telling people to take a step back. Your yep. emotions are high right now because of the loss. And I understand because I, I was pissed off too. I shut the game off immediately, right after the buzzer sounded. I was like, I don't want to listen to that right now. I don't need that right now. So
3: I went and just... played basketball myself after the game. That's what I did. Did you? Yep.
2: That's well, did you did you end up finding the pace, by the way?
3: I did, and I have I have some interesting findings on uh, this is so. This is how I found it as I went. That's um, team possessions per game,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so that's that's going to affect both your possessions and the other team's possessions, and that's how the pace goes. So I want to catch up on some comments here. Bill said I saw some people bashing guard for not making second half adjustments. It looks like they got rattled by North Texas' defense, which I think is true. Um, Jake definitely called that out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, Scott said he was playing PS5. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, so I pulled it up. So this is 2022. This is this season, the 2022-2023 season, possessions per game. So Wisconsin comes in at 344. This is out of 363 teams. Wisconsin comes in at 344. North Texas, out of 363, where do you think they are? 361, right? 363. Oh. North Texas literally runs the slowest pace in the NCAA. Some interesting teams that I'd like to throw out here. One guy that I've seen people's you know saying that the names of a player or a fucking coach they should bring in is Tony Bennett, who coaches Virginia. Where do you think Virginia ranks? 350s. 360. They have the fourth slowest pace in D1. You want to know something funny? The number one Purdue Boilermakers come in at 341. Three spots ahead of the Badgers in possessions per game. Mm -hmm. Literally the number one team in the country comes in three spots ahead of the Badgers in pace.
2: Uh, They... The Badgers, I don't want to like knock the players, but at the end of the day, you could tell that they were missing a few slashers. I've been talking about it all year with you guys. Um, I'll I'll say they, they need a few slashers, they need another shooter. That's how I feel about that. And Brad commented they were bounced in round one too. Yeah. Well, that's that's the nature of March Madness. Um, if they didn't lose round one, who the hell says Zach Eady doesn't just have a couple monster games on her own? They end up in the elite eight.
3: That's Brad, to your point. Madness. Let me just let me just throw out another team. Um, where'd they go? Uh, Maryland, three thirty-eight. Um, that's San Jose State, St. Peter's, last year's Cinderella team, three fifty-three. Uh, Dayton, three fifty-two. Penn State, 334. Liberty, 333. Houston, 330. That's another good team. Damn, Houston. Villanova, 327. I mean, UC Santa Barbara, they were in the tournament, 320. Northwestern, 319. Duke, 313. Stanford, 306. Uh, Wyoming, and actually kind of underrated. kind of an underrated basketball team, in my opinion, um, 304.
2: Uncle Mike, hold um, on to that point. I got something to say about Giannis in a little bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mike um, said points per possession is a much better measure to follow. Points per possession is more of a measure of efficiency, I think, than, than pace. So, I mean, if you can be a better, you know, a good points per possession team, and I can I can pull that up and, and just kind of see. Um, let's see. Offensive efficiency. Can I can I
2: say my little point real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I got to get this off my chest, man. I've been thinking about this all night. So I told you guys last night. So if your solution to everything is to just fire the coach, let's start new, I got some questions for you, man. And I And I'm not trying to take shots at nobody, but I'm talking about it here. Because when you go through life, you're going to go through shit. It's going to be different shit for every single man, right? But the measure of a man is when you get knocked down, how you respond to that. Do you get up? Do you fight? Or do you stay down? You can't You can't stay down. Staying down is firing the guy. Getting back up and figuring that shit out and working through it, those are the winners. That's the guy I want on my team. That's the guy I want leading my team. And I guarantee you Greg Guard's the kind of guy that's going to lead with his heart, he's going to get up, He's going to figure this shit out. So it, it, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't just give up when shit gets tough because when shit gets tough and, and shit, when shit gets uncomfortable, that's when you find out who you are and that's when you develop yourself into a great human being. So let's not just jump to firing somebody, okay? Because to me, I like a guy with character, and Greg Gard is definitely that. He's a guy that can grind. So Greg Gard, next year, he deserves a chance. Uh, he deserves to, to grind this offseason. They deserve to go into the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that next week. Mikey's going to yeah. join the show, yep. Yep. but he deserves to go in the transfer portal. Try to fix some things. We're going to bring in a couple new guys. Tyler mentioned them already: Gus Bus uh, and Mr. Winter, uh, Mr. Basketball in Minnesota. So um, he deserves a shot again next year. And you know, next year when the Badgers are, are dominating and they get ranked in the top fifteen, and we're we're sitting in the top two of the Big Ten, and it's it's January, February. All those people that were saying fire guard, to Tyler's point that he made earlier, which beautifully done, by the way. All those people that last year were saying, oh my God, we need to fire him. We need to move on. We need a new direction. The basketball team is, is, is shitty. We need to follow suit with the football team. All those people that were saying that, we're not going to check the receipts on them because I don't remember their name. I just remember their shitty attitude. So all those We'll be here with know, an
3: apology for him.
2: We will, and, and all those people that, that were saying that last year are going to be like, you Wisconsin. I'm never off the bandwagon. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah, just ride the wave, people, and don't ride it too high or low. Yeah, absolutely.
3: So I want to draw. Bill said, um, lower possession means you need to take advantage of every scoring opportunity, which means no lapses in fundamentals. That's totally true. Uh, And that's perfectly fair. So I pulled points per possession. The Badgers were at 220, which obviously is less than ideal, but we knew the Badgers struggled with efficiency at times. Yep. Number 221 is Oklahoma. Hmm. Number 225 is Arizona State. I mean, looking below them, Florida State below them, Seton Hall, Colorado, Nebraska, who – was in, you know, like, um, just looking, you know, it's Georgetown. Georgetown. Like, Georgetown is 280 in points per to, possessions.
2: You want to talk about a giant falling.
3: Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State, who was also in the NIT, 282. Um, let's see who else is in here. Butler, that's a team who's gone deep. Third three oh mm. three. Um St. Peter's three thirty-one. Minnesota, three thirty-five. Oregon State, three forty four. I'm gonna Cal. Cal three fifty
2: eight. I'm gonna respond to Scott real quick. Um the first Scott, not the second Scott. <laughs> There's double Scots now. Um, Two Scots, yeah. Scott K, I'm going to respond to you. Listen, <laughs> we're, we're not telling – we're not saying don't don't be upset uh, with the game. Don't be upset with the loss. Don't feel emotion. We're not trying to make you emotionless robots. Right. But – Level-headed, say, I would say. Yeah, we've had to make this point so many times. It's just getting redundant at this point. But yeah, just take a second, take a deep breath – Think about things. You don't have to, during, and I don't know how the hell people can pretend like they're smart fans when the entire game they're live tweeting or posting on Facebook or whatever. I watch the game, okay? On timeouts, I talk to my friends. Immediately when the game comes on, I could be in the middle of a text. Boom, I have phone's down, I don't care. I don't understand, you, know, you could just take a second, take a deep breath analyze things and really think things through before you before you talk because you yeah. can you can be mad at the game like I said I was mad I was pissed off I was like how the hell do you lose that game and then I thought I thought about it exactly Bill there you go I thought about things and I was like well this happened and it kind of snowballed into this and you know and I'm like you know overall that this Badgers team had to fight through a lot of adversity this year you know and we're, we we can go all the way back to the Kansas game, the almost win, that should have yep. been a win. He was out of yep. bounds when he threw that ball, right? Yep. That would have been a signature win that could have pushed the Badgers into the NCAA tournament. Probably would have, honestly. And if we wouldn't have had, you know – Poor closing moments. We had Northwestern beat at home. We had Purdue beat at home. I mean, we had a ton of people beat at our State house.
3: We lost, we lost to Northwestern what twice by less than five points each, and we had like eleven missed free throws total in the two games.
2: Yeah, I mean, we blew the lead against Nebraska in Nebraska. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of games that could have went different ways if we would have yeah. had a little bit of execution. But playing against not, Michigan
3: State could have been a win with Tyler Wall healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean th- that's. It doesn't mean that everything is on Greg Gard. I just don't want right. people to think that way. Now, if, does he d- deserve some credit? Absolutely. But does he deserve 100% credit? Absolutely not.
3: Right. And it's it shouldn't be on the hot seat after one season. If it comes out and next season the Badgers start like 0-6 or something like that and they're losing to Cal Poly and Northern Illinois and uh, Southern, Middle Eastern, Southeast, Nebraska, like, you know – that's that's when I think we can have that discussion. I think after one season where one of your best players, if not your best player, was injured for five games, and not to mention Chucky was banged up towards the end of the regular season too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little premature. Um, First, Scott, the second, Scott is my college basketball coach, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, Scott asked, where was Marquette? Marquette was number 12 in points per possession. And just to to further illustrate the pace versus points per possession thing. I mentioned that Purdue was 341 in pace. They were number 14 in points per possession.
2: (laughs) Well, that that helps when you have like a seven foot and whatever gigantic man.
3: So, you know, if it can come down to just getting the right players, there's no reason you can't be a good basketball team. So I'm going to go to the second second Scott, my coach. Um, Saying I'm not saying they should fire Greg. I think all the naysayers can eat a shit burger next year when they have a great season. Besides, who would they hire that would be an upgrade? And I'm going to give you the super generic answer that I see all over the place. Anybody's better than guard. That's such a generic cop-out bullshit answer that people give is anybody can be better than this or anything we do is better than this. Anything we do is better than losing by five points you know, seven times in a season, not to mention that the Badgers still had a positive, you know, above 500 record in those close games, but we'll just ignore that, that part of it because it doesn't fit the narrative, but um, you know, it's, it is what it is. And I think actually somebody said that exactly. I think it was Scott said it it is what it is exactly, but um, you know, it's, it's a cop-out, honestly, it's, Wanting, and I think I've said this before, too, it's it's wanting to skip adversity. That's what people want to do. People want to skip the hard part and go straight to being winning and successful again. Just like people want to be rich, but they don't want to put the work in. That's that's a fair point. Exactly. Like That's, that's a really good way to look at it. That's a really good way to look at it is that wanting to fire your coach and bring in a new one is like trying to buy a lottery ticket.
2: I don't know. Man. I, I don't, I don't got anything else to say to those haters, man. I really don't.
3: They're just, they, I feel, I just think they have shitty lives and they like to complain. James, James said it well another way too. James said people are super quick to want coaches fired. It's all about instant gratification instead of allowing the coach to get better after his first season. And, and we're not in the first season of Greg Gard. We're in the sixth season of Greg Gard. but I mean, you've seen that some of these six seasons, have been successful. So after one season that isn't successful, and obviously there's context that matters within that. But you're you're going against a, a six season sample size where they've won the Big Ten twice. They've you know Greg Gard has literally been the coach of the year, and one season where they still finished with a above 500 record. They made a deep run in a tournament. Yes, it wasn't the March Madness tournament. It was a different one. But to still rattle off four wins in a row. Like I will take that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I don't agree with, with Scott,
2: with your, your kind of, it's that younger generation. Listen, man, social media is a monster and it will eat you alive and, and change you as a human being, if you allow it. And it has changed a ton of people, not just the younger generation. I've definitely seen some people over 50 years old, um, Coaching from that, the coach, yeah, that they want that instant gratification, and it's just like, listen, bro, you are where you are for a reason.
3: <laughs> uh, Josh brought up another, another team that's perfectly valid to bring up, and actually, uh, another one that I'll throw in. Josh said, Look at UNC, they were the preseason number one, completely Man. missed the tournament, and they said, Nah, fuck the NIT, that's but that's beneath us. We don't want our players to get more experience, and that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I took away from the NIT is that we got to watch five more Badger games. You know yeah. some of I them doesn't the um
2: it's I was piggybacking off your comment, man, and, and making it known that age age does not matter about instant gratification. Yeah.
3: Um Josh, another team I'll throw out there, Ohio State. Yeah. They struggled through the season, they finished really hot. You know, they made a run in the Big Ten tournament, and then they're like, nah, we don't want to do any tournaments after that. Like, why, I, I, why, why wouldn't you want to get your guys more playing time? We get more time together, more experience. So, I, I don't know. Sucks,
2: and, but
3: is you, there anything you, else you want to say about the season or do you just want to get into some some positive takeaways that you had from the season? Because there are still some.
2: Let's just uh, – yeah, man, we can go all day talking about this. But let's just get in – well, we'll do a bonus episode on on social media. <laughs> uh clarification here. Um let's just talk about some positives. I'll just I'll just throw one out. We'll kind of spitball go back and forth. I guess uh my f- my first positive is is allowing um I'm blanking on the name now because I was so ready to respond to Scott. I'm so sorry. Um <laughs> just just a, I, I agree with, with going to the NIT. Um, just to get younger players some more experience. Steve's I got am, one of mine. That, that's that, That's what I was thinking of, Connor Seasen, just allowing Connor Seasen to come into his own. Yep. And I, I 100% agree with with you and Mike and, and everybody else who said it. Once he understands defensive positioning, that kid is going to be an absolute stud, not just in the yep. Big 10, but in the country. He's got the form. He's got the touch. Um, he got into his head a little bit last night, I think. But, you know, a little bit more experience under his belt, which is why the NIT was an absolutely mm-hmm. great thing for him. But you know, we'll see. I, I, I like I see it. On.
3: It is a double-edged sword. It definitely is. I mean, Jake and I are trying to do the opposite. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of complaining and and whining, honestly, out there. But Jake and I are trying to do the opposite. We're trying to provide you know reasons to be optimistic for the future, ways to look for you know things to improve instead of just saying you know this sucks, that sucks. Jake and I have taken the approach of what can improve instead of doing it, you know, from the, from the negative perspective. Um, in addition to Connor Asijan, like I said, ah, dang it. Steve's, Steve's got the scoop on me here in the comments. Steve, second one that he brought up was Max Klesbitt. Uh, getting him from the transfer portal from Waffer, the Nina native. Hell yeah, uh, Max Klesbitt <laughs> was another one of mine. Uh, big con kind of growth down the stretch uh, for sure. For sure, Max Klezman. We saw him close a couple games defensively. We saw him close a game offensively. Um, to Jake's point about wanting slashers, uh, Max Klezman was pretty much the guy. I mean, Chucky e. Hepburn is kind of capable of it. I don't think he was as good at finishing around the rim as Max Klezman got towards the end of the year. Uh, but Max Klezman was a ton of fun to watch this season. And Max Klezman, bottom line, he's a dog. Max Kozman is a dog, so I'm I'm very excited for him to come back to Wisconsin next year. Agreed. Um, hey Scott, I said this to Taylor on Friday that he said he missed us, and it's been a while since he's watched, but we'll always be here. We're here Wednesday at four o'clock. You know, <laughs> we're in this seat. We're ready to go, baby. Um. So Max Kozman was my other one, and then I had one more was, and this came because of the NIT. Is Stephen Crowell's game versus Bradley? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, we got to see Stephen Crowell drop a thirty-six piece against a what twenty-seven win team. Yeah. Pretty sure Bradley had twenty-seven wins.
2: High twenties, somewhere around there. Yeah,
3: twenty-six, twenty. I really think it was. I really think they were twenty-seven and eight, if my memory serves me correctly. But we got to see Stephen Crowell drop a thirty-six piece. That was awesome.
2: God, who that oh yeah, 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 It was against Purdue. Um, and then hearing that story last night about uh uh Lindsay, how he used to go to the games and he used to perform at halftime and he was excited to wear a badger jersey his whole life, and then him kind of having his moment in that first half in the Purdue game, hitting a couple three pointers. I mean yeah. that's cool stuff that he's never gonna forget in the rest of his life. So I kind of want to just I wanted to highlight that. I had that I wrote that down right away when we were coming up with
3: ideas. Cool. Um I think that's a good one um steve asked is Klesmith's brother a uw target he reopened his oh my i saw so he had 21 assists in a game during the WIAA tourney run shit i mean
2: why not <laughs> i'm game dude i mean we oh, damn he also goes to nina i'm assuming huh
3: um as for recruiting slash transfer portal we're probably going to get into that a little bit next week now next week we're going to do um, transfer portal targets, just like we did with the football team, we're going to do that with the basketball team. Um, as for recruiting, um, we'll probably look into that a little bit with with the Badger basketball primer. And I've I've seriously just been really focused on on Gus Yeldon and Noah Winter. Like, and as the season has gone on, like I've gotten more excited about Noah Winter just by seeing him um, just continue to progress. So those are the two guys that I'm really really focused on as far as recruiting goes, but Definitely worth looking at. I'll I'll put that down. I'll write it down and to look at him. Um,
2: maybe DMC. we can pull
3: some highlights and stuff of him.
2: I wish I would have known that sooner when I lived in Nina. I moved away from Nina now, but I wish I would have known that man. I would I would have made an emphasis to go to a Nina game to check out Klesman's brother. Man, maybe I would have ran into Max.
3: <laughs> right, Scott said Winter is going to be a beast. Great power forward. I dude, I'm seriously so excited for Noah Winter, and and the fact that we're also getting a guy that people have nicknamed before he's even in college, baby Jokic. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing
2: wrong with being Jokic. Nothing wrong with being <laughs> Yeah.
3: Jokic. Yep. I've been calling, uh, I've been calling Joey Weimer, baby Renfro. So, I mean, if that one works out too, like I'll be super excited about that. So, <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Badger basketball to close out the season? Anything else you want to say about 22, 23?
2: Nah, man. Um, On Wisconsin, as
3: always. Yeah. All right. So we're going to break up the basketball discussion. Opening day is tomorrow! Woo! If it doesn't rain out, because the Cubs don't have a fucking roof on Wrigley, which is super annoying. But as long as it doesn't rain out, opening day will be tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> um, Scott, we're going to get to the Bucks in just a minute. We don't have a, a ton to talk about with the Brewers because there's no recaps yet, but we're looking at three games at Chicago and then three games at home versus the Mets. I will be at Tuesday's game, so I'll be at uh, not opening day, but game two in Miller Park, as Scott calls it, or American Family Field, as the broadcast will, will call it. But <laughs> looking at six games... Um, Three against the Cubs, three against the Mets. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss out four and two.
2: I'm cool. That's how I, I feel. Um I'm cool four and
3: two. if I'm being completely honest, I'm gonna say I think they sweep the Cubs and and lose two out of three to the Mets. <laughs> the Mets Not have spent six thousand four hundred and forty-two gajillion dollars on their roster. Yeah. Um so I, I, I'm gonna predict a one and two series against the Mets, but I'm gonna say three and zero against the Cubs. Um, and Jake, that was one of your bold predictions. So how are you feeling about that?
2: Oh well, it was one of my bold predictions, so you know I want it.
3: You're just um, just ready to get cracking at let's,
2: it. Let's just let's just fucking three and zero them right away, and then we then we, we we're gonna put the dagger in them later in the season. But yeah, Steve, um, if you haven't, I just sent the link to Tyler, and I'll, I want to watch them all as well, but. There's a cool series that the Brewers are doing called The Freshman. And they talk about – you know, they talk to Bryce Terang and Sal Frelick and all the young guys, Weimer and – Garrett Mitchell. And Garrett Mitchell. But uh, Bryce Terang's family is fucking nuts, dude, like athletically. It is insane. I was like, what? And then what? And then three sisters. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, holy shit, dude. This family is gold. (laughs) <laughs> so thank God he plays for a Wisconsin team because you know that guy's an athlete. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, Gus Varland has a brother in the twins organization as well.
2: Oh man. Okay.
3: Um, Steve said, haven't tuned in lately. Is Burns gone after this year? I don't think so. He's um, no. technically arbitration eligible for 2024 as well. So even if they don't get a deal done before this season and they work on it next off season, which is personally when I think they will, um, it's not like they, they're not like he's a free agent at the end of this year. He's a free agent at the end of next year. So going into 2025 is when he'd be technically eligible to be gone if they don't extend him or trade him before that. But I'll just um, say this. I really think it's going to come down to the first couple months of the season.
2: Yeah. To to respond to that, this is kind of a cop out, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I don't give a shit. Winning heals everything. That's all I'll say. No, if he's absolutely. playing well, the team is playing well. You can uh, you can sweep some things that have been said about each other under the rug a little bit if you're feeling pretty good at that time, and we'll see what happens. But I think Arnold, I think Arnold's with the times, um, so I think that he will understand the timing of everything, and he yeah. will understand. Um, personal relationships, and he's going to try to build that up with Burns as much as he can before they talk contract a little bit more. But mm-hmm. right now with the the wound still a little bit fresh, I think it needs a little bit of time, needs some Ws, and then we'll see what happens. Who knows? Maybe they lock him up for freaking eight years. I don't freaking know, man. I I'm on board. So. I hope so, but we'll see what
3: happens. Seeing how deep Scherzer and um Verlander are going into their careers, like I'm really starting to not be mad at the idea of of keeping a guy into his late thirties.
2: Man, with, with the way technology is and how athletes can string out their careers in every freaking sport, you know, late in their thirties, uh late thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm. I would not at all be upset if we sent him to a 10-year deal for a gajillion million dollars, man, because he's gonna be a monster for a long time.
3: Yeah. Um, Bill Bill's reminding us of his, of his bold prediction that the, the Brewers will trade Bourne, uh, Burns before the All-Star break.
2: Bill, if they trade Burns before the All-Star break, I'm finding you, dude. <laughs> I do not want to trade Corbin Burns, damn it. <laughs> he's like my stepson's favorite player. Don't do that.
3: <laughs> um, Scott said if we're in contention, we won't. If we are not, maybe it's possible. Um, I don't see how we can affirm Ford Burns and Woody though. It's gonna come down, in my opinion, honestly, to how the young guys perform. Because if the Brewers can um and I'm not saying they need to, but like if the Brewers can let go of the, you know, the Jesse Winkers, um, eventually yelich will be gone. And mm-hmm. you know, Garrett Mitchell, Joey weimer South Frelick, Bryce Tarang, um, say they sign Willie Adonis to a deal that's you know something on I don't know. 15 million or something like that. Um, having all these guys and then bringing up like guys like Eric Brown, Robert Moore, I mean, Jacob Mizarowski, Robert Gosser, like all these guys that are you know in the minors right now that are kind of just on the cusp of being ready to join the major league team. If, if say 80% of those players pan out, we're looking. And I said, this is one of my like, you know, when we did the primer. That I really think that 2023 is going to be a fence season. And on one side of the fence, they're looking at a complete rebuild where basically they, unfortunately, like they trade everybody and then they just bring up a shit ton of prospects and we get to find all out at once if they're going to be good or not. And if they are, I think the other side of that fence is Dynasty. I really do. If we're looking at five or six seasons of arbitration pay, For Garrett Mitchell, Sal Frelick, Joey Weimer, Bryce Durang, William Contreras, all of these guys that the Brewers will have team control of for, like, six years. I mean, the Brewers could be the Astros, basically. I can see it. That's where I'm at. Uh, And I want to get – give me
2: one. Just give me one, baby. I said that with the Bucks before in my life. I'm going (laughs) to say it with the Brewers. Just give me one of those motherfuckers, man, so I can experience it one time. Yeah. I feel like the Badger football team is trending in the right direction. Right. But there's a there's a name I'm going to bring up, by the way, a Texas kid I'm going to talk to you about after this show. He's a linebacker slash quarterback. Holy shit, dude. And the the Badgers are competing with, like, Alabama and, and Ohio State to recruit this kid. We're in the top four. This kid is a monster. But Damn. anyways.
3: Yeah. All right. So a couple things with the Brewers. Uh, Tyrone Taylor was put on the 10 day injured list. It actually sounds like he might be back a little bit sooner than later. Like originally, they were expecting him at the end of April. They only put him on the 10 day injured list, they did not put him on the 15 day injured list. So maybe a little bit sooner than later. Uh, this was retroactive to this past Monday. So um, he'll be eligible next Thursday to come back. So yeah. that. Um, Aaron Ashby and Adrian Hauser are opening the season on the 15 day injured list that's you know neither of those are shocking mm-hmm. Justin Wilson is opening on the 15 day injured list hmm. that that was a little bit of a huh okay for me too because he's you know they weren't expecting him back until around July so for them to put him on the 15 day instead of the 60 that was interesting to me. Um, Scott said, "Honestly, we think we should <laughs> we should trade Tyrone and bring up Sal." Um, Scott, I've said this. I think Tyrone Taylor is on a real short leash when it comes to performance. And basically, to your to your point about bringing up Sal Frelick, it's going to be between Weimer and Frelick. But I want to keep an eye on AAA very early this season if Sal Frelick plays a bunch of games in right field in AAA to begin this season, he will be up sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, so keep a very, very close eye. Those um, wondering about who's going to be the first up is keep a very close eye on who's playing right field in AAA. Cause it'll, it'll probably be Joey Weimer. But you know, if they can work Weimer, you know, maybe give Weimer some chances to play center field. But if they're if they're playing South Relic in right field at all in the early in the season, that to me signals that they're gonna be getting him ready to come up and play right field in the majors.
2: Dude, just bring them all up. You know, people people like the exciting young guys. These guys are hungry. I think this team could use a little bit of young some some youth and some experience at the same time. With the dominating pitching, I think that could be a success. Like Bryce Perang is the perfect
3: example of what you just said. Bryce Perang played the entire last season in AAA, mm-hmm. so he's you know he's got the experience basically at the level right below the majors. So um, Tim said he thinks I'll like the faster pace of a game. Um, Craig counsel said he likes it. He likes the faster pace. I think it's I think it's mm-hmm. good for for the spectator aspect of it. But I do think it's something that, you know, became necessary because of the players. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. – I don't want to throw blame on it a lot, but it's it's the players' fault. Well, for... Scott, you, sh- you should have
2: listened to me, Scott. I said we were going to bring Tarang up, okay? <laughs> if you would have listened to me, you would have known, like, oh, he's going to be up, okay.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, uh, Ryan Braun is an example that Brewers fans will understand. You know, after every pitch, he steps out, he leans the bat up against yeah. his groin, he retightens both batting gloves, then he looks at his third base coach, then he looks at his first base coach, and then he stands back in. Like When you miss a step, you miss a step, every batter
2: plays with their junk like twice. <laughs> <laughs> they redo the gloves, they spin on them, they're looking at a couple dick waggles. All right, I'm ready to go, let's go.
3: Yeah. So I mean it's they they did kind of bring this on themselves. Um we'll get adjustments to it for sure whether it be that games can't end on a on a uh, umpire called strike for a guy not being in the box or not being on the rubber ready to pitch. You know, there'll be adjustments to it, but we'll see we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's going to um,
2: it's, it's going to be like the NFL, right? When the NFL, you know, incorporates a new rule like the the, the quarterback roughing the passer rule, it sucked for a couple of weeks, but then the referees, you know, they, they, they had human air. It's surprising. They're human. Right. Um, they had human air. And after a little bit of adjustment, it was just like, okay, um, this is how we're going to call it. This is what we're looking for. Of course, there's going to be bad calls every now and then again, mm-hmm. human air. That's what that is. Um, but you know, I th- I think it'll be a good thing to speed the game up. It'll definitely be let, more attractive for you. Let me give you know. an example from another
3: sport and the sport that I'll give you is offensive rebounds in basketball. Yeah, uh, used to reset the shot clock. Then they changed it in college. It goes from thirty to twenty. In the NBA, it went from twenty-four to fourteen. So you know, it's just an adjustment that keeps the pace of the game played higher. So I mean, that's a throw. You know, that's an example that I'll throw out.
2: Who hates Ryan Braun? Who hates Ryan Braun? I don't. I don't know. You want to talk about a freaking clutch gene? Ryan Braun had two clutch genes. Two of them. That's how clutch he was.
3: All-star, Ryan Braun. Dude,
2: Ryan Braun was fucking awesome. When, him and Fielder together was fucking awesome, dude.
3: When they were in the three and four hole, it was like, bro, we're going to hit four home runs today.
2: Dude, they were Oh, amazing. Scott
3: said she was from Cali. That's why. That makes sense. I don't know. She, probably, she wasn't a Dodgers fan, was she? So she wasn't mad that that Braun won the MVP over Matt Kemp. Uh, 2013. Oh, it could have been. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> okay, good. Angels. Angels. Oh, okay. Oh, Just she, like uh, Isaac. She's
2: a lovable loser, huh?
3: <laughs> she she also a Lakers and Clippers fan.
2: <laughs> I know got, I, I got her best friend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't resist. I don't even know if Isaac's watching or not. But if he is, he's probably mad now. I don't care. <laughs>
2: he's probably going <laughs> to... <laughs> um,
3: is there... Oh, good. She hated the Dodgers. All right. Well, she's a friend of the show now. So, all right. I'll hate the Dodgers. She's
2: back on board. I like it.
3: All right. Is Scott said she doesn't like basketball. All right. It is what it is. Angels won. I don't care.
2: Yeah, like 20 some years ago.
3: I was still basically pooping my pants when they won. That was a long time ago. You're pooping your pants in 2000?
2: 2002. But no, I wasn't. I <laughs> <said> basically was.
3: <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the Brewers and opening day and being excited for baseball and spring?
2: No. I'm going to be in Madison tomorrow. I'm going on a field trip. No work tomorrow. Yes, thank you, Lord. I'm going on a field trip with my stepson. I'm I'm going to be a chaperone for the first time. People are letting me chaperone. Tell me that eight years ago. Not happening. But anyway, it's going to be in Madison tomorrow. I'm still concerned today. (laughs) Um, So I'll be paying attention to the Brewers on my phone as I'm in the capital, so that'll be pretty fun. But, no, I'm ready to talk some uh, Milwaukee Bucks basketball and uh, bring some perspective to that Nuggets game that people don't have.
1: Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: Why is Let's it scary? Give me.
3: <laughs> Why is it scary? Oh, no. <laughs> Bill said it'll be fun to watch the Brewers in the series this year. Well, James, Corbin if you get Bird? up to Wisconsin, let us know. All right, Jake. Hey,
2: Madison. Madison's good shit, man. Um, you want me to start Give me your this, power uh, pair and, and your underrated performer. I'm just trying to skip over everything, man. I'm excited to talk basketball. All right, I know. Power I know. Pair. Here we go, power pair. I went with uh, Giannis and Chris. Uh, Giannis for the week averaged uh, 28.6, 9.6, and 5.6 assists. Um, he shot 37 to 58, that's 63. Uh, percent. He averaged or he had one block and six total steals. He finished the week on a plus 33. So Giannis, as per usual, correct? Uh, Chris yep. Middleton. I'm going to say this about Chris Middleton. He didn't shoot the three ball well. Whatever. He's still getting his legs back. It is what it is. Uh, We don't know the timetable. Everybody's different, right? Everybody's knee and legs are different. Um, But he did average 22.6 rebounds, six assists. He shot uh, 27 of 52. That's 52%. He averaged uh, a steal per game, and he finished the week as a plus 31. So my underrated performer, I went with Mr. Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen was uh, very solid this week. He played in all four games. He averaged 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, and people are going to hear those numbers and be like, what? But then you remember that he's on the deepest team in the NBA. So you got that going for you. He shot 16 to 35. That's 46%. Um, he had seven total steals. He also added a block this week. And he, just like Giannis, ended the week as a plus 33. So I think those three are pretty solid. You could pick any three on this Bucks roster and really be in good shape. <laughs>
3: Well, I have the same three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scott said he, he could imagine it being scary. Bill said, sorry, guys, got to check out early. Have a good one. I'll chat with you next time. Friday night, Bill. Linebackers See and running back. backs. Yes, sir. Uh, as for underrated performer, power pair, I also had Giannis, Chris, and Grayson and Allen. Um, Grayson Allen I want to bring up, and I'll talk about this a little more specifically when we get into the individual games, but mm-hmm. he's – He's really impressing me with his recognition of when his, A, his shots aren't falling, B, when he's not getting a ton of shots, and then recognizing how he can still make impacts on games. That's really what what, almost like the definition of an underrated performer is, is a guy who can adjust to situations and find how he can contribute despite not being part of the big three or Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis who's going to get, you know, consistent regular looks, but still being able to impact games. The Pistons game is arguably the game that most impressed me because he wasn't shooting well. But despite that, he only scored seven points, still finding a way to manage to get seven assists in that game. So we'll we'll get to that, like I said, when we get into the games specifically. And Scott brought up one of the points about the slashing. Um, Look, I mean, Grayson Allen He's a guy that gets a lot of flack, but, I mean, we made an apology for him for him, because he's, he does things well. He makes an impact on this team despite being the fifth option in the starting lineup and, you know, still finding a way to impact games. So I really appreciate that about him. So let's get into some individual games. Let's start with last Wednesday's game against the Spurs. What stood out to you from Bucks and Spurs? So I'm just going
2: to say the Spurs are young. They are so Stupid. super, super, duper young and very inexperienced at a lot of spots, but they are still well coached. Um, you yep. can still tell that the fundamentals and the ball movement was still key in their game plan. So just want to say everybody writing off Coach Pop, and tell him to ride off into the sunset and do all this. I saw his interview after this game and he talked about it like, why am I why the hell am I still coaching? I could, I could retire, but then he says he sees the smile on the young guy's face every day at practice and he realizes that he loves it too much. So mm-hmm. I hope Web and Yama ends up uh in San Antonio and I hope that Coach Pop gets some more talent there. I'm just going to say that cuz I love Coach yeah. Pop. He's a tr- he's gonna tremendous get. personality. He's going to get Web and Yama. that's what he's going to get. I really I I really severely hope so. I really do. Um the Milwaukee Bucks are really good. So we'll we'll just start off with that. Winning a game 130 to 94 versus anybody is, is damn near disrespectful.
3: Winning by 36 oh, is good.
2: That's, that's that's damn near disrespectful. Uh, we won the points in the paint. We killed them in the fast break, 26 to seven. We held them to 39 percent field goal percentage and 23 mm-hmm. percent from the three point line. I'm gonna start tallying this up. I want to see how many games the Bucks have held teams under 10 made threes. I Mm. think that could be a very interesting stat and comparative to last season when it seemed like a lot of teams were making 15 to 17 threes on us. Right. And
3: it felt like once a month, a team was going to set their franchise record for me. Yeah, it was it was insane.
2: Um, the thing that really stood out to me and I know the Bucks ended up with 15 turnovers, but early in this game, you could tell that the Bucks kind of knew that the Spurs were a young team and they could get rattled easily. So we kind of forced them into some really bad turnovers. They ended up with 19 turnovers, which is never good, um, which led to a lot of fast break points, which I already brought up. So the Bucks shot the ball. Well, they played tough defense and they put this one away early. So, you know, a plus for me.
3: So Last year the Milwaukee Bucks were eighteenth in opponent three point percentage. Mm-hmm. And they made it a point of emphasis because we knew it was something that affected the team a lot. Um, Scott, Golden State shoots the three well versus everybody. Yeah, it who seems cr- like. who
2: created this new NBA,
3: Golden State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, <yeah>. That's <laughs> definitely a factor of their team and not necessarily the Bucks. Yeah. So the Bucks were 18th in opponent three point percentage last year. This year, they made it a point of emphasis. Where do you think the Bucks rank in opponent three point percentage this year?
2: I'm going to say seventh. That's what's sitting in my head.
3: You're close. Damn it. Fifth.
2: Oh, I was so I didn't want to say top five. I know it doesn't
3: feel like they should be top five. Scott I said like, nine. I was
2: like top five. Close though. Yeah, they number
3: five in opponent three point percentage this year. Love it. That's to go from 18th to 5th.
2: That shows a damn of the roster, dude. That's the flexibility of this roster, really.
3: I, I agree with you. The flexibility of the roster is definitely a part of it. Um, so looking at this now, the Spurs game, and I'm going to bring this up just because some of this stuff is coming in for tonight's game because the game starts in an hour. Uh-huh. But Jay Crowder was out. Um, it's seems that Chris Middleton and Jay Crowder will be available for the Bucks tonight. Um Drew and Giannis are in, so should at basically be at
2: full strength. Um, I wanted them to sit out one more game.
3: <laughs> we'll see, yeah we'll see what's going on tomorrow. We'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. So Crowder out, um Thanassus was back. So it's good to see Thanastas back with the team. He he's the glue guy for the Bucks. He really is. Um, Grayson Allen hit his first three after struggling. Well, um, Chris Middleton was passing well early. He hit Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis for threes. Um, Drew Holiday, just out here running the pick and roll with literally anybody. Last, last week he was running pick and rolls with Pat content and getting him buckets, uh, against the Spurs. He was running it with Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. Um, Bucks missed a couple open shots in the second quarter. Uh, Close the gap a little bit with an 8-0 run. Uh, Did you catch Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen. Uh, Marcus Johnson was a little shook when Grayson Allen dunked the ball from the dotted circle inside the free throw line. Bro, that was nuts.
2: (laughs) I remember texting you being like, because you usually watch the games like the next day. I remember texting you like, bro, this white boy was flying. (laughs)
3: <laughs> he literally you because like i brought it up that it seems like grace and allen like every game has like one momentum play where he gets a rebound and then scores yep. and gets a defensive rebound and just takes off and gets it oh, done
2: that was a steal that he did that on he jumped oh, the well, that's right you're right it was a steal you're right that was top of the three-point line but then yep. he did yep. get a stupid crazy rebound right before that yep. and we you just talked about it on the show and i was like God damn it, man. He's out here making Tyler look like a genius. Hey, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what I do, man. Um, the Bucks made took advantage of some San Antonio turnovers, went on an 8-0 run in the final 45 seconds of the first half, kind of stretched their lead out. Bucks had 12 first-half assists against the Spurs. All 12 came from the big three.
2: It's not a bad thing since they touched the ball the most.
3: <laughs> it's true. Um, second half started, they scored 17 points in six minutes.
2: That is also not a bad
3: thing. <laughs> Giannis scored thirteen of them. Um, second half ball movement was fantastic. Um, all five players touching the touching the ball in one possession type stuff. Ending in Bobby Portis three pointers. Chris Middleton got his mid range going in the fourth quarter, um, and then the reserves got a lot of playing time. So Giannis, Giannis is just ridiculous. Thirty one points and fourteen rebounds in twenty three minutes.
2: That's so stupid.
3: It's just ridiculous. That's so dumb. And Beat will do that in 35, and then ESPN will be like, oh, my God, he's going to be the MVP. Giannis does it in 10 less minutes.
2: Or Jokic will score 30 playing 38 minutes. They're like, Jokic had a 30-point triple-double. I'm like, dude, he played an extra quarter and
3: then some. Just wait till we get to the Nuggets game, because I have some thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, so do I. Jokic is a bitch. But
3: yeah, we'll so, be. Chris Middleton, double double, 19 points, 10 assists. Bobby Portis, double double, 19 points, 10 rebounds. Joe Ingalls had 14 points. Pat Connaughton had 10 rebounds. Grayson Allen, eight points, four steals. Mm-hmm. Um, the big three accounted for 20 of the team's 24 assists. So I brought up last week that the big three had been averaging 22 assists mm-hmm. among them per game. This game, they have 20.
2: Scott, hold um, on to that comment. I'm gonna, yep. We're going to talk about that. I have a, I have a couple questions for Tyler after this. After okay. whole- do you want to do it before we get
3: into the Jazz game while we're in between games?
2: Oh, sure, yeah. I can just get right into it. I wrote some right. shit down real quick. So I was going to ask you, who would you vote? And, Steve, the answer to that is absolutely nothing. nothing. The Bucs? Stop the Bucs. That's it. Yep.
3: Brought it up last week, too, actually. The the only team that's going to beat the Bucs is themselves yep. when it comes to turnovers, uh, free throws, um, you know, not boxing out, that kind of stuff. Other than that, healthy Bucks, they win the championship.
2: If they're fundamentally sound and they're making the shots that they normally make, and yep. yes, we will get into more shit when we get into the, the Denver game because I have some thoughts on that, too. But I wanted to know, if you had to vote for MVP right now, who would you vote for? You could say Giannis. That's okay.
3: Honestly, it's it's really tough between Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, and I get the case to be made for all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to eliminate Jokic because of what we'll talk about when we get to the Nuggets game, but he's still so damn good, dude. Like, Jokic is still – he's he's so good. Mm-hmm. Thing is, like, he doesn't make an impact defensively. Well, he does, but it's not the kind of impact you want. Um, So basically being down to Giannis and Embiid, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Um, Honestly, oh, this is such a cop out. I want to see how the last nine games go. Because Embiid is missing a bunch of games. He didn't even play against Jokic and the Nuggets the other day. Um he's missed 15 games now this season, I think. Giannis is I think they're actually like pretty close, but and this is pains me to admit it, but Embiid is a little bit more efficient than Giannis. Is he? He is.
2: Okay. Well, real quick. Giannis is the only player in the NBA top five in points per game and rebounds per game. So. That
3: is. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that his team is going to finish with the best record in the NBA. That's the other thing that makes that tough as well. Here, here's the thing that I'm going to bring up. You go points per minute,
2: right? Points per minute, all time. This is if a guy played 48 minutes in a game, what they would average. Number one, all time is Wilt Chamberlain at 49, which is, really fucking dumb <laughs> that's
3: just nuts
2: <laughs> James Harden in 28 2018-2019 would have averaged 47 points per game if he played all 48 right Giannis in 19 to 20 won the MVP that year right third yep. ever in, in in points per game if he played 48 minutes at 46.5 you know what the fourth highest is of all time
3: it's probably Giannis this year I bet huh
2: Giannis this year at 46.3
3: so when I say Embiid is more efficient, I'm looking at, like, percentages and player efficiency rating. That's that's why I'm saying he's more efficient, whereas Giannis does his scoring in less time. So if you look at per 36-minute numbers, like, Giannis uh, owns Embiid.
2: All I'm trying to say is Giannis, you know, and, and this is why he brought up that question, is – Giannis is the most dominant player in the game today. He could literally just go on, you know, and like you said before in the Spurs game, he scored 13 of 18, right? He could go on those runs every single game every single quarter. And I understand that in B, when he gets cooking, he could do that Mm -hmm. too. Giannis doesn't need to get cooking from mid-range. He fucking makes it happen. Three people, (laughs) five people, add an assistant coach in there, doesn't fucking matter. He's going to score when he wants to score, right? Right. The thing that really, really turns me off with Embiid is after he was talking all that talk about Jokic and he and he cried. I don't know what I have to do to win MVP. You have a chance. This is your moment, right? You're gonna you're, you're gonna talk like you're unstoppable. A couple of years ago, you're the most unguardable player in the league. You have a chance to go take that fucking MVP for yourself, and you sit out? Hell no. They would have had to ship me out of the goddamn arena if I wasn't <laughs> playing in that game. There's no way in hell. No way in hell. You want an MVP that bad, you're that vocal about it, you're playing in that game. This is yeah. the, the last two from you. On top of that, yep. no goddamn way. Giannis would never run from that matchup. Ever yeah. in his life. So that, when yeah. I started, he said out the that,
3: Pistons game.
2: Yeah, that's what made me think of this question. When I saw it the other day, I was like, ain't no way Giannis is, is is gonna he's not taking the smoke, dude. He's gonna create the smoke. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what kind of brought the question up in my head at least.
3: So I want to address a couple of Steve's comments because I believe the first one is true and the second one isn't. Steve said Giannis won two MVP awards, but his play has been improved since those two seasons, which I agree with. And then the annual awards, I do disagree with that. Because Giannis actually has been the first player ever to be a four-time consecutive first-team All-NBA. Giannis is the only player to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: To be um, first-team All-NBA unanimous four seasons in a row.
2: Well, guess what? He's
3: going to do it again. <laughs> He's going to do it again. That streak is going to be extended. Yeah, Giannis is going to be... Easily unanimous first team All NBA. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not that he doesn't have any awards. I guess it's just not he doesn't have any hardware yeah. to go with it, except yeah. for you know a you know trophy for you know winning the NBA Finals.
2: And you know what, he he'll he knows that that the the big trophy, the Larry, is the one that he wants. But yeah, for me personally, this is my personal. I'm I'm greedy. I think Giannis is too good to end his career with two MVPs, and I don't want people to take him for granted in these times when he's as efficient as he is. He's averaging .97 points per minute. You understand that he almost sc- scores a point every fucking minute he plays? That is stupid. I do not want people, like, just forgetting about that. No. So, people are going to forget about it if he doesn't win MVP, you know? So if he wins MVP, people are going to look up his stats and be like, "It's pretty damn good that season, you know? Yeah. So. I I that's me personally being greedy. I guess
3: it's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be percentages versus um your your points per minute. And personally, a lot of times MVP has come down to the best player on the best team. And he is. <laughs> that's that's what he is. Giannis is the best player on the best team. Embiid is the best player on the third best team.
2: Yep. Jokic is the best player on the fourth best team.
3: Yeah, that's correct.
2: Although. We could change those rankings because, yikes, the Celtics lately. Uh yikes, a uh, yikes. Oh,
3: yeah, they're they like might what, be, four? They're like four and five in their last nine games or something like that.
2: Dude, the way they're playing, they might be second round exit. I seriously might take the Sixers over them. No lie. I
3: Today, mean, I probably would. Honestly,
2: I mean, we're gonna find some shit out on Thursday, but
3: right and Saturday
2: and Saturday, but. We'll see. All right,
3: let's go back to last Friday, the Bucs and Jazz. Uh, Chris Middleton out, Pat Connaughton in his place. Uh, what stood out to you from the Bucks and Jazz?
2: <laughs> well, the first thing was Pat Connaughton. 22 points, five made threes. Fucking A. God, damn it, man. It's been a minute since I've seen a Pat Connaughton game, and I loved every goddamn second of it. <laughs> um, just wanted to point out that after this game, the Bucs became 41-21 uh, in, in back-to-backs in the first half of back-to-backs under Coach Budenholzer. So that's pretty goddamn good. Um, They also tallied 42 assists in this game, Um, uh, which was the third most in team history. Do you know what the most in team history is off the top of your head? Say that again. The most assists in a game by a Milwaukee Bucks team in team history. Total number.
3: 44?
2: Nope. It's actually an NBA record. 53. Damn, they did that December 26th, 1978. They had 53 assists. That damn. is an NBA record. There's a couple teams with 52, but the Bucks having 42 assists in a game for the third most in team history. That's
3: dude, so in this season, how many times? Make... How many yeah, Scott was close? Scott says 55. That's damn, dude. There's there's probably 80% of games where teams don't even make 55 field goals. Think about that, dude. <laughs> the, Bucks, damn. The, the Bucks have
2: holy <laughs> shit. To that point, the Bucs made 55 shots in this game. So 42 other
3: 55 shots were assisted.
2: <laughs> that's
3: like 80%. <laughs> that's insane. That's, yeah, oh Giles. man, that's crazy. Scott Skiles does have the individual record. It is 30.
2: So everything was, was awesome in this game. The Bucks shot the ball crazy well. Grayson Allen was cooking early. Pat Hunting was cooking the whole game. Giannis had his moments. Everybody really had their moments in this game. The one thing I think I would change before uh, before I forget is we give up 20 offensive rebounds. Mm. They had 51 rebounds, 20 of them were offensive. That's probably the one thing that I would change if I could change it. But other than that, man, the Bucs dominated in Utah.
3: Um, James, to your point, Celtics and 76ers, they play Tuesday night against each other in Philadelphia.
2: I just told Isaac last night. I said the Celtics, the, Cel- the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Bucks all play each other this week. We're about to find some shit out.
3: Yep. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, <clears throat> this game, we're two minutes into the game, and Brooke Lopez has three blocks, and Grayson Allen has eleven points. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes into the game, and Grayson Allen has outscored the Utah Jazz eleven to zero. <laughs>
2: His former team.
3: <laughs> I mean, we're literally talking about the Bucks' fifth best player outscoring another NBA team 11-0.
2: Think about that, dude.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Bucks were up 16-3 in the first four minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, Jazz caught up a little bit, and then the Bucks went on a 16-4 run. Yeah. And I want to give us some credit because Pat Connaughton was bouncing back like we said he would. And then it happened. Wow. So it's good to see him prove us right on that and just goes to show. Like just support your players for fuck's sake. It doesn't hurt, by the way. It and it literally costs you nothing. Just like to being support nice. Your players.
2: Just like being nice in real life costs
3: you nothing. So. Exactly. <sighs> Anyways. So Jazz cut the lead to six in the second quarter. Um, Giannis hit a three that then pushed the lead back up to 20. Um, <laughs> the Bucks made 14 threes in the first half, 21 assists on 27 field goals and only six turnovers in the first half. That's crazy. That uh, is crazy. Scott, uh we're, we're Scott, let's save that lot question lot for the end. We'll save that for the end. We'll oh, we'll okay. discuss that a little bit at the end.
2: Okay.
3: Um, okay. that 21 of 27 That was their second most assist in a half this year. Shit. Uh, Steve said some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy. Shit. That could be a a tagline for the show. (laughs) Some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy.
2: That's a fucking shirt, dude. Some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy. (laughs) Slap a Wisco Fanatics logo on there. Yeah, that's a new slogan. Courtesy of Steve, and then we'll we'll call it an A. Steve will will give you some royalties.
3: I'm in. <laughs> uh, second half. The Jazz the the Jazz kept trying Brooke Lopez and it's not a recipe for success. Walker Kessler got blocked by him twice. And just yep, we're just gonna keep trying to dunk on Brooke Lopez and get blocked. Um the Bucks really balanced scoring in the third quarter. Um this is something I brought up last week. Um, in the two games was that the Bucks needed to refocus in the third quarter. This Jazz game was that refocus. So I was glad to see that. It was an improvement from last week's games. Um, the Bucks hit 100 points with 17 minutes left of the game.
2: I know, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> um,
3: 115 points through three quarters, tied the season high. They did that against Detroit in the game that started the winning streak. Um, 43... Third quarter points was the second highest this season. For the Bucs to be in a place where they used to struggle hard, to just like walk in and just dominate the absolute hell out of the Utah Jazz, was a welcome sight to see. That's true. Um, Fourth quarter open with Pat Connaughton hitting a three, and then um, Brooke Lopez getting his seventh block, and then Pat Connaughton hitting two more threes. Pat Connaughton started the fourth quarter three for three on threes. We um, got a little bit of Beauchamp. Um Got It was really good to see Pat Connaughton bouncing back. And then we got to see a former Wisconsin Badger, Micah Potter, getting a little bit of playing time for the Jazz. So a little bit of extra on Wisconsin in that game as well. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to throw out Thanasis, Lindell Wiggington, Pat Connaughton, guys getting tough finishes at the rim. Um, you know, if, if Thanasis is dunking on you, like, like you know you're losing by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um jake jake brought up the assists uh one guy you didn't mention i'm surprised is grayson allen 25 points four rebounds two steals in 21 minutes he was hooping bro 25 points in 21 minutes for grayson allen i mean scoring 11 in the first two will make a big difference but that helps um Giannis 24 points 11 assists six rebounds two steals in 24 minutes so there's your point per minute there. Pat Connaughton, 22 points, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. Brooke Lopez, 3 blocks shy of a triple-double, 17 points, 14 rebounds, 7 blocks. Drew Holiday, a really quiet 18 points, 9 assists. And Javon <laughs> Carter, 13 points 4 assists off the bench. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the Bucks and Jazz game?
2: Isn't that stupid that Drew Holiday had 18 and 9 and nobody's talking about it? Think about that. <laughs> Think about that, dude. <laughs> The concept that thought that 18 points and nine assists and nobody saying a word about it. That's how good we are.
3: That's, that's true. All right. Um, I get it, James. James said, it's how nerve wracking it and fun it can be when you're on the outside looking in, and you control your own destiny for the playoffs. We dealt with it with the Packers. So we get it, James And Brewers. and the Brewers. True. True. Um, Scott said he does that almost every game. I think he's averaging something like eighteen and eight on the season, so it is pretty close to his season average.
2: I know. And lockdown defense, dude. That's just yeah. That's
3: that's consistent. Yeah, um, and
2: him, him, and Giannis model of consistency,
3: hundred percent. All right, let's talk about the annoying game. All right the the tale of two halves game. Uh, mm-hmm. Still no Crowder, Goran Dragic, not yet, but we will see him soon. But let's talk about this Bucks and Nuggets game. All
2: right. I'm going to let you handle the numbers. I don't give a shit about the numbers. I got lots of numbers. So you control the numbers. I don't give a shit about that. I'm talking off-contact shit right now. First of all, playing in Utah, high elevation, which nobody mentioned, and then going back-to-back against the number one team in the West, also high elevation, is tough on your legs. It's tough on everything in your body. Right, that is why you had the tail of two halves. The legs were gone in the second half. Yeah, you you could tell that's, that every jump. The numbers field, show
3: it too, so that's a very good point.
2: They, they were either shorter, long. They were they were shooting with their hands, no legs, absolutely nothing. Um, well, we didn't this year, Steve. I'll say that. Um, what the hell is Jokic doing, bro? And no, we all they had two days rest. The Bucks, the Bucks had to go back to back.
3: Yeah, the Bucks went from Utah to Denver.
2: Yeah, like immediately. And they had two days. The Denver Nuggets had two days rest before. So the thing about about this game is I was arguing with a Denver fan, and I was like, dude, Jokic really proved that he was a bitch today. Like he's really falling for the NBA, like flopping culture. And the first one was he was like, oh, they could have called a foul on Brooke every time he posted up. I was like, what about the time that Brooke got elbowed twice in the face and he got called for a foul? What about that time? Brooke didn't flop. He stayed there and he took it like a man. And then and then could just Oh, you're not used to somebody as big and strong as you freaking pushing you back? That could be an offensive, you know, people talk about Giannis lowering his shoulder. That could be a foul every time. And Brooke was trying to say that too. You know, he has a right to that space as well. And then the one that really got me going, and I understand like, well, the Giannis one got me going a little bit, but the one that got me going was was the Bobby Portis.
3: Yeah, I knew that's where you were going with that one.
2: He barely touched him and Jokic acts like he got shot from a <laughs> shotgun. And then all Bobby was doing, and you if you if you watch Bobby, you could tell he just got that competitive competitor in him. Yep. He wants to play, right? You're you're the two number one teams in the conference. This is a potential finals matchup, right? True. Bobby wants to go out here and fucking compete.
3: Yeah,
2: we're trying to run, we're trying to make shots, we're trying to go and your team is, is winning at that point, the Bucks are trying to come back, the juices are flowing, right? Yeah. So all he's telling them is, that's soft, man. Come on, let's go. You know, not, nothing bad. I don't think he cussed them out, you know, from when, when I read yeah. his lips. He said, it's soft. Like, let's go. Let's do this shit. You want to be a top dog? You want to be a top team? This is what it is. And then for him to get a tech on that is, is yeah. laughable. That's laughable. That's almost like that's taking super soft. That's taking the game out of the players' hands, in my opinion. Where, like, when I see the two top teams in the conference, I want them to decide the game.
3: Absolutely.
2: And that girl, Ref, she controlled a lot of the pace in this game in terms of Milwaukee uh, with the emotional aspect of shit. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll add some shit in after you say the numbers. But I just wanted to get that out about Bobby Portis because that was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
3: So basically, all of my notes revolve around this game being a tale of two halves. Uh, as far as just the the game itself, uh, Giannis got after it early. Bucks lost track of some three point shooters in this game. Um, Jamal Murray would probably make my list of favorite non Bucks players. Like I actually really like Jamal Murray. Um, oh, I'm so
2: drafting so bad, dude.
3: Yeah, dude's a stud. Uh, I want to say and I think you've said this before that Bruce Brown gives the Nuggets some toughness that they've needed. Yeah. hundred percent. The Nuggets have been a, a, a finesse team. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon kind of helped them get a little bit of edge. Um, uh, Jeff green brings some edge and Bruce Brown is definitely an edge tough guy. So they've done well constructing their roster. I will give the Nuggets that. um, as for Jeff Green dunking on Giannis and everybody being like, oh, my God, this is this is something that separates Giannis from Jokic. Is in that position, you know what Jokic does? Moves. He takes a step away from the basket. Mm-hmm. Giannis takes a step towards it. Give me the guy willing to get dunked on over the guy willing that's just going to get out of the way every single time. Give me the guy with the competitiveness. Every time. So that's that. As far as the tail of two halves, the Bucks scored 66 in the first half, only 40 in the second half. Um that's this is this is a little rough. I'm gonna, we're gonna get to some numbers that are gonna be a little rough. And credit to credit to Denver for staying consistent, but first half rebounds Denver 21, Milwaukee 18. Uh, second half, Denver 24, Milwaukee 22. So the Nuggets did out rebound the Bucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Offensive rebounds, Bucks. First half, zero. Mm-hmm. Second half, four. Uh, Denver had four and then three. This is probably the outside of shooting, the thing that made the biggest difference uh, assists and turnovers. Bucks first half, 18 assists, seven turnovers, solid ratio. Second half, eight and eight. Hmm. Uh, Denver, first half, 13 to three. Only three turnovers by Denver in the first half. That's very good for them. Uh, Second half, they went 15 and seven. So Denver, to their their credit, stayed consistent. Um, What's up, Isaac? Shooting... This was this is this is rough. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go for it. Bucks, first half, 26 of 46, 56.5%. Second half, 13 of 42, 31%. First half, six of 19 on threes, that's 31.6%. Second half, three of 17, 17.6%. Mm. That was rough. That was yeah, that one, that one hurt to write down. Um, I will say, credit to the bucks. Eight of nineteen, or sorry, eight of nine on free throws in the first half, eighty-nine percent. Eleven of twelve in the second half, ninety-two percent. So the Bucks were nineteen of twenty-one on free throws, so that is very good to see. Yes. So one redeeming quality there. Um, Denver first half fifty-seven percent on field goals, second half fifty-four point eight. Forty-one percent on threes in the first half, forty-two percent on threes in the second half, and um, they were also eight of nine on free throws in the first half. 12 of 19 in the second half. So Denver did struggle from the free throw line, but it didn't matter because they made everything else at a similar clip as they did in the first half. Um, but here's where I want to get into a little bit of context stuff here. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the Bucks pulled their starters with 5 minutes and 54 seconds to go, down by 20. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets pulled their starters at 317 and 311, up by 22 they left their starters in for almost another three minutes, while they were up between twenty and twenty-two points. Yeah, I'm seeing people bringing this up more with Jokic, and you know how their 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 stats are when he's on and off the floor. They played three minutes against the Bucks reserves in this game. That's and where people bat- talk about the stat padding. Right, and that's that's not to say that Jokic isn't a good player because I did write his numbers down against Brook Lopez. Mm-hmm. He was seven of twelve from the field. He was all of three behind the three point line. So if the Bucks and the Nuggets find themselves in a playoff matchup, you know, in the finals, uh, let Jokic shoot the three. But twenty one points, he had five assists, and he was seven for seven on free throws. So,
2: and two elbows to Lopez' face. So yeah, that's whatever. But
3: uh, it's a long way away, but. You know, if we get to that point, you got to think of maybe a little bit better ways to defend Jokic um, instead of just going one on one, Jokic and Brook just because it's not something we can be completely blind to. But Jokic is going to get the star calls. It, it is what it is.
2: Yeah. But in the playoffs, the whistle isn't nearly as. Loose it's as different. It uh, yeah. I will agree and, with you on that. That is, that is why Embiid and Jokic dominate in the regular season and they struggle in the postseason. Whereas Giannis.
3: And James Harden, too.
2: Giannis just kicks ass at all times. So he's on our team. So I feel good about that.
3: Yeah. Um, to your point, Giannis, 31 points, nine rebounds, four assists, four steals. Um, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen each had 13 points. Uh, Chris Middleton added eight rebounds and five assists. Um, Drew Holiday, only nine points, seven assists. Bobby Portis, 11 and six. The Bucks as a team did have 26 assists, which is still pretty solid. I'll take that. And only 10 um, turnovers. Denver only had 10. Oh, Bucks shit. had 15. Yeah, we had 12. Oh, yeah. 15. Seven in the first half, eight in
2: the yep. second half. Yep. I wrote that. Yep.
3: Um, Isaac said I'd give Jokic more of a force in the playoffs than Embiid. I don't know. It's going to be tough. We'll see what the matchups end up being like. <clears throat> I'm not saying they're trash.
2: Like, I'm not trying to say that. But, you know, just by recent history in the playoffs, they've flopped. Let's be honest. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> and figuratively.
3: <laughs> um, we'll see what the matchups end up being like as far as the 76ers and the Nuggets are concerned. But personally, if the Bucks are healthy, just play their game. It doesn't matter. Agreed. All right, let's do the last one. Uh, Bucks and Pistons, no Giannis, no Drew. But what stood out to you from the Bucks and Pistons game? Well,
2: we started this week playing a really shitty team. We ended this week playing a really shitty team. So, we played Denver, and this is one of the cases against Jokic for MVP. Denver allows the second most points in the paint. Only the Detroit Pistons are worse. And who plays center on the Denver Nuggets? Who's supposed to control the paint for the Denver Nuggets? Okay? Now, when you look at Giannis on the defensive side, he has one of the best field goal percentages. That's my case, but we're going to look at a record without them. I don't care yeah. about that shit. There's more context than that. That is a lazy argument and I'm not letting it go, Isaac. Anyways, we're going to talk about Chris Middleton absolutely shitting all over his former team. That was obviously a thing this week because <laughs> Grayson Allen decided to do it to to the Jazz. Yeah. Um, Chris Middleton decided to do it to the Pistons. Um they shot the ball well. They made they made a ton of ton of three-pointers, 14 three-pointers. Held the Pistons to 7 of 24. To only get 24 threes up in an NBA game is Kind of bad, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. you can look at the makes, but usually the attempts are higher too. So, True. that means the Bucks are absolutely clamping them. Running uh, them off. Yeah. Uh, 28 assists to nine nine turnovers. That's awesome. 22 of 26 on free throws. Absolutely awesome. Uh, we only scored 38 points in the paint, but really we were making jumpers. So, it is what it is. And just a little stat for you. The Bucks, since getting Coach Bud, in 2018 are 17 and one versus the Detroit Pistons. We do not lose to the Pistons. So it's pretty
3: similar against the Pacers too. They're like 14 and two or something like that.
2: I will have it in my stats for next week. I'm going to write that down.
3: All right. Now That's who they play tonight. The Bucks have owned the Pacers as well. Um, They just won their first game in FISERV since the building was built. (laughs) Um. so the Pistons and the refs kind of pissed Brooke Lopez off early in this game, and yeah. he responded by going full Dirk Lopez. <laughs> totally. He scored nine points in the first quarter, had a huge dunk. Um, Jay Crowder was back. Dragic debuted. Um, middle- fucking Chris Middleton had the mid-range maestro going.
2: That was nice to
3: see. Um, it's good to see him knocking down shots, actually, at all three levels. Bobby Portis got a strong start shooting and rebounding. Um, the Pistons did close the gap a little bit towards the end of the second quarter, but Bobby Portis kept it going early in the third quarter. Um, Pistons went into zone, and that's where a little bit of the, the lead kind of dwindled. The Bucs have struggled with zone just because they don't play it very much. Um, Isaac said, I think losing to the Pistons gets you shunned by the NBA. Um, Scott said <laughs> 30 plus points. He looked great. He really did. And I'm going to get I'm going to get a little bit into into uh, towards the end of the game, but um, the Bucks actually were going under screens, kind of daring the Pistons to shoot. Um, the Bucks, or sorry, the Pistons are 22nd in three point percentage, and they are 18th in shots from 15 to 19 feet, and they are 21st in shots from 20 to 24 feet.
2: That's not good.
3: So the Bucks were daring them to shoot him, and the Pistons still didn't want to. Nope. But the ones I shot, they made some that kind of closed the gap a little bit. But um we get into fourth quarter. Grayson Allen. This is this to me is the most impressive game that Grayson Allen played this week. It might be a little bit of a hot, you know, a hot take because he scored 25 against the Jazz, but Grayson Allen is slashing. And his drive-and-kick aspect in this game made a big difference. 7.7 assists in this game for Grayson Allen. He was getting driving kick looks for Pat Connaughton, for Javon Carter, and those guys were hitting threes. That's where Jake brings up in his underrated performance his is plus-minus. That shit makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit's young. They're going to be a good team eventually. We'll Listen, see man, how long man, eventually man. It takes.
2: Michigan always needs a shit team, right? And the Lions, you know, after sucking for basically my entire life, have decided to be good finally. So now the Pistons and I believe the Tigers suck ass too. So yep. uh, the Pistons and Tigers have taken over as the shitty teams in Michigan.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Tigers signed Hobby Baez, so that's really all you need to know about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Isaac said, "The Bill, the Bulls, look under their bed for Grayson Allen." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would love to play the Bulls again in the playoffs. That'd be fun. Oh, Just for Bulls fans saying Bulls in five after they beat the Bucks in one game.
2: There are smart, smart Bulls fans. Not many. are there? They're are there? I talked to a few. I talked to. A few. I've yet
3: to encounter one.
2: Hey, Tim, we talked about that earlier, man. Thank God. for That's kind of why, you know, because of the Washington game last night, I was hoping that it would hold Giannis and, and and Drew out for a game. And Chris, you know, just sit the big three for this game because we, we have a game to, to waste, and then we'll beat their ass on Thursday. Uh, it's going
3: to be very interesting to see how tomorrow night goes. Yes, it will. Um, Scott said all four of our teams are com- – or all of our teams are competitive. Um, Scott, I have yet to well, – I shouldn't say that. I've encountered one – Smart bear fan ever, ever. <laughs> <You're an asshole. laughs> Dude, oh wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Two, <laughs> two smart Bears fans ever.
2: You can name them both.
3: I could. <laughs> we guest appeared on one of their shows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did. anyways, back to the fourth quarter and Bucks and Pistons. We got. We got off track um, talking shit about Chicago. Tim said, How about those Washington Wizards? <laughs> hey, Johnny Davis played it pretty uh, Johnny Davis played pretty well for them in the last week. Anyways. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <performed funny>. <laughs> oh god. I want to bring up a couple people other than Grayson Allen. Um, closer Chris. We got closer Chris Middleton back in this game. Uh, Hitting tough, tough, deep twos after Detroit cut the lead to two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, Wesley Matthews made some pretty clutch plays in this game. Uh, Wesley Matthews, this is a sequence from Wesley Matthews. He gets a great box out on Marvin Bagley, gets a rebound, dribbles the ball up, and hits a cross-court pass to Javon Carter for a three. That's a five-point swing by Wesley Matthews out of his entire possession. Um, Next play, affecting the game defensively. And I want to bring up something that Steve Novak said. Steve Novak called him a disruptor. So you called Drew Holiday the technician. I want to call Wesley Matthews the disruptor. I like it. I'm with it. That's his job, dude. I, I like that. Uh, Scott said he's overlooked. Wes and Carter are awesome. They're they're dogs, both of them. They're both dogs. Absolutely.
2: The Bucs are filled filled a roster with just a ton of specialists and players that could do multiple things on the court. Yeah. And under Bud system, it's a beautiful thing.
3: It, it's yeah, it works out very very well. So, um, Grayson Allen again, his his driving and he was actually impressing me with speed. Not something I usually associate with Grayson Allen, but him driving to the lane with speed was getting so much attention on him that he was getting more kickouts. I hit Javon Carter again for another three. Um, you brought up the 28 assists. 28 assists, only nine turnovers. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of the things that really kept this game even remotely close was Detroit shooting 36 free throws. Yep. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 22 points, helped put the game away. And then Chris closing the game and one finger roll. Great to see him just executing in those moments, regardless of who it is, because you're still playing an NBA team. Agreed. So Chris Middleton finished with 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists. I mean, you brought up his numbers. twenty For him to be doing 23-6-6, six, and six, like... <sighs> I mean, we talked about it last year during the Celtics season. It's like the Bucs could use a guy who can give you a 25 and five. Chris Middleton's like giving you a 23, 6 and 6. Take this into perspective, real quick, right?
2: You have Giannis. He's Giannis, right? You have Drew. We talked about it. Model consistency. He's Drew Holiday. He's going to give us points, give us assists. He's going to lock you down on defense. Chris is coming back into form. Post All Star break, Brooke Lopez is averaging 19 fucking points. <laughs>
3: We have a big four.
2: <laughs> you could have four people averaging twenty, dude.
3: That's nuts. That Scott is. I'm kind glad of they didn't man. rush him back. He's healthy now. He's he's. It's not even that the health is the thing anymore. Scott said, or no, Scott. Um, Bud said that right now the only thing they're doing is that he said there's just one layer of conditioning left.
2: And we have, we still have a little bit of time left, and obviously, I think our first round matchup is going to be a layup. Hopefully it's the Bulls. I'm crossing my fingers. But that'll just be some warm-up games, and then we can get into the real thing, probably play the Cavaliers in the second or round. Or the Knicks. Donovan Mitchell's a different animal, man. I don't know. The Knicks are pretty. I, I, the Knicks are it. probably a better team. Evan Mobley's been playing really freaking good lately, too. So, well,
3: he, he got t- exposed a little bit in their last game. I'll say that.
2: Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It'll that'll be a good matchup, Nick. Knicks and uh, Cavs. That's that's good basketball. That'll be a good basketball series. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna watch the Bucks whoop the shit out of whoever they play in the first round, and then I'm gonna be paying attention to the Cavaliers and Knicks because that's gonna be some good stuff. Uh,
3: to the point of not rushing Chris Middleton back, and there being another layer of conditioning. Uh, I think one of the things will be is gonna be late game legs. Um, Middleton unfortunately was one of seven on threes in this game, but. Yeah. That does also mean that he was 12 of 16 on twos. Damn, that's 75 percent inside the three point line. That's
2: a, that that's
3: is, that's Giannis shit, and Giannis doesn't shoot outside the paint <laughs> very often.
2: So that's what I mean about perspective and digging deep, man. That's that's that whole different level of of, of perspective that I'm talking yeah. about. Do we want to answer um,
3: this? I'll I'll get there. I just want to throw out a couple more things from the the Pistons game, and we can talk about that and the what's next. Um okay. Bobby Portis, 21 points, 14 rebounds. That guy expands. He, Bobby Portis is a goldfish. He expands to fit the size of the tank that he's put in. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong! Sure. No look me in the face and tell me I'm wrong. He expands <laughs> was, to fit the tank that he's put in. Giannis is was, out, uh, Bobby Portis put in the starting lineup, drops 21 and 14.
2: At no point in my day did I think I was gonna wake up and hear <laughs> about Bobby Portis in the goldfish.
3: Come on, I don't have that in my notes, by the way. That just came to me. Bobby Portis is a goldfish.
2: <laughs> that was golden. 148. I want <laughs> that needs to be a real. 148. I'll read it, die. That was oh,
3: awesome. Top five moments of the show ever, maybe? Bobby Portis was... is a goldfish. That
2: was. Dude, I was, like, literally so shook. I thought it was funny immediately, but I was shook that you said that, that I I didn't know what to do. I was like, hold on. Well, it's,
3: like, it's one of those things, like, the more you think about it, the more it makes sense, right?
2: Yeah, it, uh, it did. Bobby Portis
3: is awesome. Sixth man of the year. That's a great analogy. Scott said he's never heard that one before. Hey, Definitely. now you know why you come here. You get great analogies, like apples and bananas. Right, Jake? Shut up, man. <laughs> Uh, welcome to things that will never be let go, Jake. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> uh, one more point on Chris Middleton for him to be one of seven on threes, if he makes normal what he does, say he's three or four of seven, he's dropping 40 on you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scott said, I'm retired Navy too. That's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, Brooke Lopez, twenty-four points, also fourteen rebounds and two blocks. Javon Carter, really quiet, twenty-two points, six of seven on threes.
2: He was he was just the shooter of this game. He was spotting up, man.
3: Uh, Pat Connaughton, seven points, five rebounds. Grayson Allen, seven points, seven assists. We did get to see Goran Dragic make his Bucks debut. He only played eight minutes. He didn't score any points, but he did have three assists.
2: That was fun. That was. I did not expect right. that Pistons so, recap to be as good. <laughs> <laughs> I know we got yeah, we got
3: some fun stuff out of that. So thank you Pistons. We got the Bobby Portis and the goldfish analogy out. Uh, all right. So back to a serious a serious question. Isaac said, when the team reduces its roster for the playoff, who do you think is the odd man out? <sighs> Shit, the Bucks might go ten deep in the playoffs.
2: Dude, they I honestly might. Out. I don't want to cop out, but I'm gonna give like a straight answer that I literally feel in my gut. It's going to depend on matchups. I really firmly believe that. That's fair. He's, got, he's going to decide what guy in their play style can take advantage of certain guys, like a Peyton Pritchard. If, if we play the Celtics, Javon Carter is gonna play is, more. Javon Carter is gonna be on his ass, right? That's gonna be a yep. great, That is a great even matchup. Pritchard, I'm going to be know, honest with on. you.
3: Bucks and Celtics, like Javon Carter, is going to play more minutes than Bobby Portis. I mean, that's.
2: I could see that. We well, Because they go small. They run a small right. lineup with having Tatum. You know, we, we'll probably go small too. But uh, we're going to have Brooke. We're going to have Giannis on the floor for a majority. Right. And we've already talked a few weeks ago about the flexibility of the lineups having Giannis in cent- yep. at center a little bit more for short yep. spurts. So
3: you yeah, asked I me think- just two weeks ago about offensive and defensive closing lineups. Yeah. Uh, my offensive lineup has uh, Joe Ingles inserted into it for Grayson Allen. Um, I mean – Scott said Thanasis the, is the simple answer, but I don't see it. He's the true leader. I, I mean, mean, he'll be – I don't know if that will be rostered, but I think he's going to be there. I'll, t- I'll um, tell you what,
2: Scott. If we get Thanasis in the game against the Celtics, like Tyler said before, we're spanking that ass. It's all right. <laughs>
3: Uh, Scott said Joe is awesome, and he's a guy we didn't really talk much about. But we talked; we gave Joe Ingles a lot of credit over the last two shows uh, for his for his offensive improvement in March. Um,
2: Damn, that's what I forgot. I was going to get his three point percentage.
3: <laughs> you still can. I mean, we still got some March left. So, looking at what's next for the Bucks, they play tonight in Indiana. Tomorrow, home against Boston. Saturday, or sorry, Sunday, home against Philadelphia. And then Tuesday, they are at Washington, who just beat the shit out of the Celtics by 19. But leave it to NBA to to throw you a reel of Jalen Brown getting a dunk while also taking a massive fat L uh, to the Washington Wizards. Take all of that, Jalen. He's probably not going to be back in Boston, it sounds like. I'm
2: telling you, bro. They, there's no way they can afford both of them. There's no way,
3: no. I way agree with you. Else. I've agreed with you, and I've said the same thing. Um, Isaac said, "Ghost, is the true go to the Antetokounmpo's." You're just saying that because he brought you a championship in LA <laughs> single-handedly.
2: It was him and Anthony Davis that one time against the Jazz.
3: Yeah. Other than that, Costas carried you to the, to a championship. <laughs> You remember, like four years ago, when when Laker fans thought that Kosas was going to bring Giannis to the Lakers, bro. <laughs> I was like, really, bro. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers.
2: Like, like, he, like he isn't his own like like person; makes his own decisions.
3: <laughs> All right. So Isaac said he showed Giannis the chip, so gave Giannis hunger. You're right. I'm sure Giannis was. Uh, was sad with his two MVPs and his DPOY, but yeah. All right. So what are you thinking over the next week? I'm gonna say three and one. Pains me to say I think they're gonna to lose to Philly just because it feels like Philly's I'm gonna be honest with you. I think I think Boston is in danger of losing the two seed to Philly.
2: They still got like a two and a half game lead over them, I think. I to right? look because I think the I think Philly's like five games behind us. Oh, cramp! Ugh, I think we're two and a half above uh, Boston. I'll say this, and I, I, I said this last night to a few people. It's time. It's time for Giannis to to flip the switch. It's playoff mode time, and like I said, like I said before, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly—they all play each other this week. We're yeah. at home against both of them. It's time to show that we're the big dogs. We're going to protect our home court. We're not going to come into our house and punk us. I'm going 4-0. And, and, and I'm telling you it. right now, Giannis is making a statement ver- versus verse Boston, and then he's going to make a statement versus Philly.
3: Scott said win nine in a row, keep the momentum. Scott, the Bucks magic number is five. So yep. between Bucks wins and Boston losses, we only need five in there with nine games left. I mean, looking at the the Bucks' end of the season schedule, uh, Washington, Chicago, Memphis, and Toronto are their last four games. If, if, if the they, Bucks have their their stuff clinched before they play Washington, Chicago, Memphis, and Toronto, they're not they're not playing a majority of the starters in all four of those games. They'll probably mix them up a little bit, but they'll probably rest some starters in at least some of those games.
2: The, if the Bucs win tonight and they beat Boston, I believe the number goes to three. The right, number actually, it
3: should go down to two if they win tonight because a win tonight, a win tomorrow, and a Boston loss would be three. So the Magic Oh, number, yeah, you're right, you're
2: right, you're it right. It could yeah, be down works. as low as two. Jesus, man, then we're going to beat the Sixers? and then, Oh, my God, it's a wrap. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Number one seed is ours.
3: Oh, shocking that Joel Embiid and James Harden are returning to the lineup tonight against the Mavericks.
2: Oh, yeah, are they? They didn't want to play against Denver?
3: Apparently not. <laughs> uh, all right. Is there anything else you want to throw out before the Bucks get started in a couple of minutes here?
2: Uh, you know what? They go 4-0. I'll give it a shot, Isaac. I'll give it a shot. <sighs>
3: all right. So I want to thank everybody for commenting along. Isaac said if Bucks win 4-0, Jake has to come on the show and open up with his Giannis impression. I think that's a perfectly fair uh, request for a four and a week, but so. thank you everybody for commenting along. Scott for commenting yeah. along for coming back, commenting along. Isaac, James, everybody, um, Bill, Tim, everybody for commenting along. Uh, Brad for talking with us with the Badgers. Uh, Scott for sticking with us for the entire show. We appreciate it. We will be back on Friday night. With Simon and Bryant doing linebackers and running back rankings, we're each going to have 10 linebackers and 15 running backs. Uh, We all have the same philosophy that the Badger or the Bucks. fuck me, the Packers might not be looking for one of the top five running backs, but will be in the market for somebody between that 5 and 15 range. So definitely tune in Friday night. That'll be 8 o'clock. Linebackers and running backs, part of our draft series uh, continuing to roll on. So uh, we will be back Friday night. Uh, Go Bucks, and we will be back next Wednesday and Friday. Let's get it.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.